0: So I'd like to begin just by acknowledging everyone's uh, practice and support yeah. for each other, towards each other, and for this uh, unfolding of the retreat. Very much like to f- to call this part of the retreat, we're like in the heart, yeah. we're in the heart of the retreat it is a very precious place, yeah. and it, um, you know, sometimes comes with its own challenges, yeah. also. Yeah. And it's a, a real uh, opportunity to both appreciate the support we're receiving and also the support that we're offering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm kind of find it particularly tender this time because, you know, there's this whole experiment we're doing <laughs> with running a hybrid retreat for the first time and, and there's just such a sense of um, whether willingly or not you're supporting that. So kind of also acknowledging that particular aspect, exploring this new form together yeah, really, an opportunity to feel that that support that's kind of radiating into Gaia House from everyone that's practicing with us, yeah. Online and all the work that's been done at Gaia House to make this possible, and then also the support that we're radiating out from Gaia House into into the world. Yeah, that movement. And so kind of part of sometimes exploring that support, opening to that support um, is is kind of at this point in the retreat, there may be, as I said, there may be challenges or there may be that things are very quiet and <laughs> also maybe quite a movement between the two. Yeah. And um, And it can sometimes kind of take... Kind of more attention from us about how are we with each other around this. Yeah. So you know we might kind of smile at someone, and and yesterday they smiled back, but maybe today they're a bit more insular, yeah, in their own space. And can we be okay with that? Yeah, just kind of offer that smile, not expect something back. Yeah. Or it might feel very connected and and wanna share a word or a sentence or a chat with someone yeah and then just remembering the others around you know feel the beauty of that yeah feel the beauty of that connection and then explore how can we how can that come yeah in a form that kind of holds the space for for that diversity yeah. so this really beautiful exploration for us have that care, have that sensitivity, have that exploration. So I want to kind of go back a little bit to uh, what we were exploring this morning um, in the instructions. Yeah, exploring, touching on uh, Vedana as an insight way of looking. Um And just kind of what are insight ways of looking, and you know Nathan said it, and i 'm going to say it again, maybe in slightly different ways, or exactly the same ways, just again, yeah. uh, insight ways of looking support yeah, they support non reject non rejection they support non demanding on experience, they lessen. Um, the push and pull that we habitually have with experience yeah pulling the things that we like pushing away what we don't yeah the clinging and the craving yeah that push and pull on experience which is so habitual for us and so Nathan mentioned yesterday you know that this Vedana is part of this kind of map that the Buddha um, put out you know dependent um arising dependent origination and sometimes it can be helpful to just look more detail just a part of that map i'm just going to briefly mention that just one part my favorite so when there is contact yeah through the senses there is contact through the senses there is a vedana So, I don't know if you noticed today, but there were some quite kind of bangy noises going on (laughs) at some points in the meditation. I particularly noticed it at 11.30. And it's like, so there's contact, right? Sound, contact. And sitting here meditating, at least for me, unpleasant. Yeah, Vedana's, you know, you can guess, right? (laughs) It's unpleasant. It's very easy to recognize. And then that Vedana escalates, that unpleasant escalates. It's like, unpleasant? What's it doing in my meditation? What's it doing at Gaya House? What's it doing, you know, on retreat? Yeah, there's that demand. The, it's outrageous, yeah? You know, that's the, that's the, like, come on, you know? So there's the contact, there's the Vedana. The Vedana quickly escalates yeah, into something. Yeah. And that something is that demand, that push pull. Yeah. From the unpleasant to the you know what's that? Yeah? The contraction that comes with that. Yeah. We can really feel it in the body, yeah. There's a, a sound that we're not expecting Yeah? That comes. Arises with with the unpleasant the contraction. And that is an experience of dukkha. Yeah? Right there. Yeah. Right there. Does that make sense to people? Yeah? So that's, here's part of this chain and and the only part that we're (laughs) going to, or most of the part that we're going to talk about today, yeah? The contact, the Vedana, yeah? The push-pull, craving, clinging, demand, dukkha, contraction. And so this is, you know, how kind of we see the, the part of Vedana, the part that it plays in how experience is constructed, yeah. and particularly how dukkha is constructed. Um, and of course, we're not just interested in how dukkha is constructed, we're also interested in how adukha, yeah, non-dukkha, is constructed. Right? A little bit interested in that? Non-dukkha? No, just dukkha? Okay, I can change my talk. I keep staying with that. Okay. So, insightful ways of looking, yeah. They support us to kind of let go of that escalation, yeah. That's why Vedana is, is, is so, um, so beautifully important, yeah. And that way of looking that we were touching on today. And if you didn't practice it today, it's absolutely fine. I, I really want to say it. There's no hierarchy. There's no being kind of, you know, at the front of the class or the back of the class. That doesn't exist in this realm. Yeah. We're exploring the Dharma and we're hearing these teachings, uh, maybe for the first time, maybe for the, you know, hundredth time. Yeah. And when it's the right time, we'll be exploring them, we'll be applying them. So, whether you actually kind of practice with it today or not, um, this talk is still for you. So, ways of looking, yeah? Ways of looking that free. So, metta is also a way of looking. Metta is also uh, a way of looking, a way of relating. And metta also supports non-rejection supports the lessening of the push-pull on experience and when i when i talk about meta uh, in this context i'm not just talking about the formal meta practice yeah because again might not be something everyone is doing right now or getting along with but meta is much more than just the formal practice yeah, that's one way that Uh, we know it or that we cultivate it but metta is an attitude, it's a way of looking that we cultivate and we've said it it a few times here, here. it's a basic attitude that's so um, helpful for us in our practice learning to pay attention in a non-judgmental way that's metta and so we don't need to practice metta formally in order to be practicing that that, does that make sense to people? It's really, this is today, this, this is the thing to remember from this talk. Yeah. We're kind of practicing metta um, all the time yeah, as an attitude, as a way of relating. And so how does yeah, How does metta, yeah, how does it um, kind of support uh, non-rejection, non-demand? Non-craving, non-clinging, non-contraction, non dukkha <laughs> How does it do that? How does it lessen uh, the push-pull and experience which is so habitual to us? So we can reflect for ourselves, you know, when metta is present, yeah, when metta is present as, I'll just remind of how we've been speaking about metta, as an attitude of goodwill, yeah, of friendliness, of care, of welcoming, of wishing well. Yeah, all these ways. When it's present, yeah, when it's present, even for this brief moment, yeah, how does it impact the body, heart and mind? Let's reflect for yourself for a moment. When that kindness, when that friendliness, that care, when it's present, What happens to the heart, mind, and body? Any response from the hall here, from the hall over there? A softening. relaxing Relaxing and opening. Anything in the chat? anything else here more luminous, more luminous. Mm. yeah yeah hm? okay a sense of not needing anything yeah so spaciousness allowing yeah freedom yeah luminosity yeah contentment, openness, warmth yeah, lots of different ways um, relax a sense of being relaxed and so when we reflect on all of these, these are all the opposite yeah right all opposite to um, rejection, grasping, demand yeah push pull does this make sense or is it just to me? When there's a sense of spaciousness, openness, luminosity, contentment, yeah, ease. Yeah. Is that the same as or quite different to rejection, <laughs> grasping, craving, clinging, pushing, pulling, demanding on experience? I guess you're agreeing or not. <laughs> i'll just assume that you are okay it's important to to see that yeah so when there's more openness ease warmth intimacy spaciousness yeah luminosity yeah when there's more of that there's also less contraction and less dukkha yeah. so when there's one there isn't the other yeah or there's less There's also, Nathan was talking about Vedana uh, today and saying, you know, with the Vedana, with the pleasant, unpleasant, there's often or always (laughs) that sense of for me. Yeah? For me. Hmm? Was that just me that heard a weird sound there? maybe. So, when there's push-pull, when there's contraction, when there's dukkha, when there's resistance, when there's clinging and craving, yeah, there is a sense of me, yeah, there, yeah, quite strong, this is about me, this is for me, When there is metta, yeah, present, which comes with, yeah, More openness, more ease, more luminosity. Yeah. More space. More intimacy. Yeah. Less contraction, less dukkha, and less for me. Yeah. I really want to check that you're with me. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I feel like I'm hypnotizing you or something. Huh? They're all laughing. Huh? They're laughing with me, not at at me. That's, yeah, that's always a comfort. Okay, so it's interesting to see, yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of maybe repeating myself, but I don't mind, yeah. So it's interesting to really see all these things arise together, yeah. What things arise together? They're for me. The contraction, the dukkha, the push-pull, the demand. They arise together. They're mutually dependent. They don't so much tend to arise with metta. They don't so much tend to arise with metta. And and really, (laughs) explore this for yourself. When you're feeling kind of open-hearted, warm, spacious, light, luminous. Yeah. All, these, all these beautiful things that were shared here. Yeah. How contracted is the sense of self? Yeah. How much self-interest is there? Yeah. in there? So metta supports yeah, and co-arises with an openness of heart and of the being. Yeah. Heart, mind, body. With ease, with spaciousness, with deep well-being and with non-dukkha. And the interesting thing about it is, you know, when there's more space, openness, well-being, yeah, our possibilities of attending wisely to experience are far wider and greater. Yeah. Less self-centeredness, less about me, more possibilities to attend, to experience. And so this kind of kind of really points in this direction of freedom, yeah, that we've kind of been exploring from the beginning, yeah, it's actually pointing to the fact that regardless of the Vedana, yeah, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, yeah, regardless of the Vedana, the way of relating, yeah, can be one of freedom. The way of relating to that, whether I find something or something occurs <laughs> in my experience, to quote the Buddha, as pleasant, as unpleasant, or as neutral. Yeah. It's the way of relating that will determine yeah, whether this is a freedom experience or a dukkha experience. So everything can actually be welcomed and met with less resistance, with more allowing, yeah. And I'm saying this because, you know, just, just to remind us of where this is going. It doesn't mean that if right now <laughs> there's something that you're not able to meet and welcome, then something wrong with you or you're doing something wrong, yeah. It's just to remember the possibility, yeah, remember that possibility, so regardless of the Vedana, yeah, can we meet our experience whatever it is? Yeah. We meet our experience whatever it is in friendliness, yeah, open-heartedness. So the less reactivity, the less we are um, propelled yeah, and imprisoned in that chain of reactivity so remember that contact vedana yeah demand clinging craving dukkha yeah the less we're imprisoned in that yeah which means the less reactive we are yeah the more responsiveness is available to us yeah the ability to respond to our experience the ability to respond and the more well-being is available to us. And so, you know, when we kind of practice metta, this is something we can start to look at. And again, when I say practice metta, might be the formal practice using the phrases or images or felt sense or just radiating metta, might be just the attitude of metta that we bring. Yeah. Or we might do it in our formal practice, even if the object is sound or body or breath, that attitude of kindness—it might be something that we bring outside formal practice. Yeah. Next time you make yourself a cup of tea, yeah, can you tune in to the metta doing that? Yeah. That attitude. There's many ways of practicing metta. Yeah. Someone was reminding me. I think yesterday, you know, that sometimes I I kind of um, suggest with walking practice, you know, that the steps are steps of metta, yeah? So giving metta to the earth as we walk, yeah? That's really nice, (laughs) yeah? Sometimes we use this, like, every step is like kissing the ground, yeah? Ah, it's really nice, yeah? So we can bring that intention to so many ways and, like I was saying at the beginning, to how we are with each other. Yeah? You know, when we do our work period. Yeah? That can be such a beautiful, profound <laughs> practice of metta and of generosity and of connection. Yeah? Instead of our habit, oh, I need to get through this task on time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to hold the team back if I'm on the washing up. I remember, I know that well. <laughs> and the slow, clumsy one. Yeah. Also, the one that often kind of drops something really breakable and it shatters right at the end of the washing up into a million gazillion pieces of glass in the kitchen. That's me. Good practice. <laughs> Anyway, so, not missing out, whatever way we practice metta, not missing out on the impact it has on our well-being. And this is not just true of metta practice, it's true of any of our practices. Just keep listening to that well-being that arises. Might come in surprising ways, Yeah come in surprising ways i've just reminded myself with a breaking glass of one of my favorite meta stories so yeah i'll ignore the clock and i'll tell you so this is from sharon Salzberg. um kind of considered the matriarch of meta practice in the west yeah um and it's right from the beginning of her meta practice journey when they just established IMS, the Inside Medi- Insight Meditation Center in Massachusetts in the US. And she hadn't done much meta practice before, but they decided they just established it and to start it off, they were going on a one month retreat or the team that had got it together. And she decided she was going to practice meta for that month. And so she had a whole month. So she spent the first week practicing meta for herself and uh, feeling like Nothing was going on. Yeah. Nothing was happening. She was just you know, repeating the phrases, and maybe her mind was getting a bit quieter, but no well being whatsoever. Um, and then after a week, she got um, a message something had happened, and she needed to leave the retreat and go attend to, to whatever that was going on. As she was packing up her things, she dropped a bottle, and it shattered and broke on the floor of her room and she heard herself saying, Sharon, you klutz, I love you, yeah? And so let's not miss out <laughs> on the impact that metta as an attitude and a practice can have or any of our practices, we just need to listen. It can sometimes come in surprising ways, yeah? Here's the habit, Sharon, you klutz, yeah? That was her habit. Then I love you. Yeah? Just following on from that. So any impact on our well being, yeah, when we practice, really helpful to listen for that, to notice that. Yeah. And those glimmers, yeah. Those moments, yeah. Peacefulness, pleasantness, open heartedness, yeah. Even if the glimmers, even if they kind of last for a while. Yeah, feel them. Feel that impact. That's how we digest and absorb insight. Yeah, it can be very counterintuitive for us yeah. to do. It is part of what we learn to do through practice. So when we we practice in this way, kind of with this meta-meta attitude, yeah, we you know, it's a really deep and profound cultivation. And we're bringing into being, we're bringing forth yeah, into our own being and into the world, yeah, some really precious and valuable qualities. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, just what happens when we see ourselves, each of us, if I see myself yeah, as, you know, this is like a... a um, a factory <laughs> for beautiful yeah, qualities. Yeah, this is a factory for all the things the world desperately needs. Yeah. This, this is a lab making it. Yeah, we see ourselves like that. Hopefully that can motivate us and also kind of encourage us to treat ourselves <laughs> with kindness and respect yeah, and care. So, Metta really is a profound cultivation, yeah, bringing what is needed uh, into this world and into our own beings. And it works on, on many levels, I just want to touch on some of them. Yeah. Yeah, as we've touched on it already, it's a, it's a cultivation of intention and of a way of relating to experience. Yeah. As we come back to our intention, that intention of kindness, or the phrases, if we're working with them, or the image, yeah, we keep kind of strengthening those muscles of kindness, we keep kind of um, strengthening those neural pathways, yeah, in our brain, (laughs) yeah, and it really does work, yeah, it really does work, it has a tremendous impact, Another um, way that metta kind of unfolds is, you know, as an underlying attitude, as I've already touched on, yeah, both in our practice and our life. Yeah. Every time we notice distraction, yeah. and instead of reacting with, you know, rejection <laughs> and with harshness, yeah, we respond with kindness and Clarity of intention, every time we do that, yeah we, we align yeah more and more fully with what we wish to be, who we wish to be, and what we wish to see in the world. so meta is also an insightful way of looking. I, I kind of said that near the beginning yeah it's rooted in insight and it also leads to insight yeah. And this is true on mon- multiple levels. Yeah. It supports us to see yeah, how experience is shaped by the mind. Yeah, by the way of looking. By the attitude. Yeah. Supports us to see that. It supports us to see that the mind is not fixed. Yeah. So important. The mind is constantly, yeah, constantly being shaped by our habits, by what we pay attention to, by how we relate to experience. It shows us that we can incline the mind to wholesome ways of looking, that free. Yeah. Yeah, that doing this again and again and again has meaning. And the more we do it, yeah, the more flexible our minds become. When I say mind, I mean heart-mind. The more flexible they become, and also the more accessible, wholesome ways of looking become for us. You know, Nathan mentioned, I think it was yesterday, that I'm aversive type. I'm not going to argue with that. Fortunately, it's true. I had like, what is it now, 49 years of, you know... Being getting pretty good evidence that that's the case, um, and yet you know that you know that's where we see the fruits of practice. Yeah, see ah that's the tendency, and like Sharon Salzberg with calling herself a klutz, that uh, that you know aversion and irritation it still arises a lot. <laughs> yeah, but so much of the time along with it arises meta. Arises gratitude, arises appreciation, which means the aversion and the irritation doesn't catch, yeah, doesn't catch. Dalai Lama, um, one of my also one of my favourite quotes from him. He was asked once in an interview um, if he still experiences negative mind states, (laughs) and of course he laughed uh, in uh, in response, and then he said, "Of course." Of course, I experience negative mind states, but they are like writing on water, yeah? They appear and they disappear. They don't stay, they don't catch, yeah? So I'm not I'm not at all at that stage, like the Dalai Lama, but definitely can see, yeah, through practice, and not just from my own experience, from having the great blessing of listening to so many practitioners, <laughs> yeah? so much, yeah, that we can see this, the patterns of the mind, maybe they're still there. But they don't have that same momentum, yeah, because alongside them something else arises, yeah, and often, you know, they might not even arise, but the wholesome is what will come up. So Metta also opens us up to see um, not only, yeah, that our experience is shaped by the mind, but also yeah, also to see our mutuality with other beings. Yeah. To see our mutuality and our mutual dependence with other beings and with the earth. Yeah. To see that every living being yeah, shares our own wish to be happy and safe. Yeah. Every living being. I'm including plants in this, yeah. and I would very much leave it open about what we call inanimate, inanimate objects, yeah, but every living being, yeah, wishes for that safety, for that well-being. And so the question that arises for us is what happens, again and again, what happens when we relate to each other through this way of looking? What happens when we relate to ourselves in the multitude of ways that we appear, yeah? Through that lens of seeing, yeah? That common wish to be safe, to be well, yeah? To live with ease, So what happens when we relate to others that way? What happens when we relate to ourselves that way? What happens to our own experience? What happens in the world? So hopefully we can see how can this be a fuel and support for further insight as we explore in this way. You know, Just looking. First of all, for that well-being that arises through practice. The question that I asked early on, when metta is present, what does it feel like? In the body, heart and mind. See, this is a fuel and a support. What do I learn as I practice this way? About the solidity of self and other about what actually brings happiness and well-being and what doesn't, about how experience is shaped. So... Metta as a way of looking, a way of relating to experience, is both uh, a path that we walk, but it's also an expression of where we're heading. A mind without ill will, without cruelty, without demand. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) And really kind of let the words sink in and just let yourself feel what, what, would that be like or what is that like? Because we know we have moments of this. A heart, mind, free from ill will, free from cruelty, free from demand. Can you feel it right now? can imagine it because we know it. So so much of the time we can invite ourselves to remember because we know it. It's like an echo, a resonance in our being that we know. So a mind without demand, and here's a caveat, <laughs> this is where it gets so beautifully tender, yeah. A mind, heart without demand does not mean that we let go of our deep wish for release, yeah. Yeah, for freedom, for awakening. It Doesn't mean that we let go of our deep wish for freedom from suffering, yeah, for all beings. Yeah. Actually means opposite. Yeah. This is the motivation of all Buddhas, including all 70 Buddhas or 80 Buddhas, however many we are, sitting in this hall, yeah, together here and everywhere. <laughs> so beautiful, isn't it? We're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. This is at the heart of the motivation of all Buddhas that wish to transform, to transcend suffering and its causes. Yeah, for ourselves, in ourselves, and between us, and for all of us. So, this is a an expression of the goal of our path, and also a way of walking the path, yeah, a way of walking the path bringing into being that, we, that we wish to see in the world. Yeah. Again and again and again. doesn't matter <laughs> that we have to keep remembering. Yeah. Keep bringing it into being. Every moment. Every moment we remember. Buddha had this lovely expression. He said, drop by drop the water pot fills. Yeah. And it's that sense of that drop. I drop, yeah. can be enjoyed, can be nourishing, yeah. and can gradually fill that water pot. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end and leave you with a practice question, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. It's really simple. It's just this question any situation. What could meta look like here and now? Yeah. What could meta look like here and now? Any situation? Contracted, yeah. open, aversive, <laughs> greedy, yeah. full of metta. Yeah. What would metta look like now? any situation and drop in that question. So many possibilities. So let's have a a quiet moment to bring this to a close. So, may our practice continue to nourish the wholesome, the beautiful, and the freeing in our own hearts and minds, and in the world that we share and all its beings. So thank you for your listening and your practice. And we have half an hour for some walking in the beauty of the evening. In the tenderness of nature. And then we'll come back for our last meditation of the day together. Thank you.